are Locked On Brewers, your daily Milwaukee Brewers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, and welcome back to Locked On Brewers, brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network, where we talk about your favorite teams every day. I am your host, Jake Mastriani. You can follow me on Twitter at shortstopball. Check out my bio there to see everywhere I'm talking about the game of baseball. Also joining me is my co-host, Vinny Rotino. You can check him out on Twitter at Vinny Rotino, and you can check him out on the pre- and post-game show for Valley Sports Wisconsin. Also, make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Brewers and subscribe to the Locked On Brewers podcast wherever you get your podcast. We post episodes daily, five days a week, Monday through Friday. So make sure that you are subscribed, getting ready for this path to the postseasons. We get geared up for the playoffs. If the Brewers ever clinch this thing, maybe they're going to let the Cardinals come back. But no, that is uh, not going to happen. We're not going to let that happen here. And we'll be talking about that Cardinals game from Monday. Uh, the Cardinals get a 5-2 win over the Brewers. We'll jump into that, talking about Freddie Peralta's outing and the offensive struggles against Lester. Before we get into all of that, though, let me remind you about our Locked On MLB podcast. Join Walking Baseball Encyclopedia Paul Francis Sullivan every day on Locked On MLB for a unique look at the majors, both present and past, featuring exciting guest interviews and routine check-ins from the Locked On MLB Network's team of local experts. Subscribe to Locked On MLB today on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. So like I said, Vinny got a rough 5-2 loss on Monday to the Cardinals, which the Cardinals are red hot. Obviously, we talked about that coming in, one of the hottest teams in baseball. But my biggest storyline from Monday was Freddie Peralta. That's what I was keying in on. That's what I was watching. And for me, that was a huge W for the Brewers. A quality start from Peralta, six innings, seven hits, uh, one walk, three earned, nine strikeouts on 96 pitches. Again, Benny, we've talked about him just ramping up, getting you know ready to go for the postseason, being able to go deep into games. I thought he proved that to me in this game, and that was huge. Freddie Peralta is a key to – if this team is going to win a World Series, Freddie Peralta is, is a key to this whole thing, right? I mean, um, Freddie Peralta can shut down a lineup. He can be that ace of a staff. Um, I mean, he would be an ace of a staff, a number of different staffs. The biggest concern, right, was the fact that he had that shoulder. Shoulders are always scary. I think um, it was probably minor. It's proving to be minor, right, at this point, because this is his second start now in a row where he's gone deeper into a game, got that pitch count way up. The fastball looked good. The velo looked good. Everything looked sharp. He looked in control of everything. He looked in control of his mechanics, in control of kind of the game situation. A couple of mistakes, obviously, he made last night. Um but, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he looked really sharp. Um, and, again, key to him or key to this team winning a World Series is going to be a, Freddie, a healthy, sharp Freddie Peralta, and that's what he, he showed last night. Yeah, and what I loved the most was that sixth inning. You know, first of all, the council sent him back out there, and Freddie runs into some trouble. And I loved that council let him work through that sixth inning. You could kind of see council pacing in the dugout like he really wanted to go get him, but he allowed Freddie to, to work out of that inning. Yes, he gave up the run, which broke the tie there. But still, I love the fact that council continued to let him work out of that jam, get out of that inning. You could see the emotion from Peralta once he did get out of that inning, left a couple runners on base. 
for me, Vinny, I thought that was, a, again, a huge part of this game. And that's something, you know, Peralta will grow in and he can take that when he goes into a big postseason start, knowing that he can work out of those jams. Definitely. Um, you know, look, I saw a stat last night on the broadcast that his batting average against each time through the order is is about the same, which is a, is a ridiculously low number, like 150 or something. So he's not giving up hits um, in terms of times through the order. So you can, and that's what Craig Council, I'm sure, is cognizant of, right? He, he can let Freddie go that third time through the order, and I'm sure that was played into that decision to keep him in in the sixth. And also, like you said, I mean, he's going to run into these situations in the playoffs. He's going to grow from this, and he's going to grow from that, um, ability to kind of work through uh, those tough situations, especially third time through the order. Um, and when the game is, you know, deeper into the game, games on the line, close team like it was last night. That was a playoff type atmosphere last night from that game. I mean, this is a Cardinals team that is needing every single win. And, um, you know, they got it obviously last night, but it was the, the urgency from them versus now Freddie's throwing and pitching and making pitches in those tight situations against a team that has such urgency. That was certainly a playoff type atmosphere, playoff type inning. And you saw the emotion from Freddie when he did get out of that. And that was, that was great. Um, obviously gave up the run, but I mean, he, he did, it could have, it could have been a lot worse. It could have been a big number right there. And he was able to kind of limit the damage there. Yeah. That was kind of my favorite moment of the game and what was obviously a, a sour game for the Brewers losing to the Cardinals, but Freddie getting out of that inning, showing that emotion, you know, knowing that he can do that. I thought that was a very important uh, growing moment for him. Uh, just looking at some of the metrics, fastball average 92.9. That's about half a mile per hour lower than his season average. Nothing too concerning there, but did just want to point that out. Had trouble locating that fastball up in the zone. Still had a whiff rate of 50% on that fastball. So still very good stuff there. And Benny, I know you've talked about, uh, the movement on his slider, curveball, whatever you want to call it. I thought they did a great job of talking about it on the broadcast last night. But, you know, he kind of uses different grips and he's able to throw it at different speeds. And I think that's what really, you know, keeps hitters off balance. You know, sometimes it does look like a curveball. Sometimes it looks like a slider. I think you'd probably call it a slur. But I, I think the way he just manipulates the speeds, I mean, sometimes it comes in at 70 or sometimes it comes in at 79. I think that's what he really uses, Vinny, to keep hitters off balance along with that fastball up in the zone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I, I do think at the end of the day, at this point, he is progressing in the terms of his development and the development of all these different pitches that they are showing a little bit more between the curve and the slider. They are showing a little bit more of a, of a you know, individuality type uh, of an idea between the two pitches now at this point. I think the curveball does have a little bit more of a, of a vertical break to it. And I do think the slider has a much more horizontal break to it. And I, there, there is some differentiation at this point between the two pitches. At first I thought, no, look, these are both, this is, I'm just going to call this a breaking ball because it's very hard to differentiate. But now it really is getting more refined in his ability to execute each of these pitches. And that just speaks to how good this kid is getting. The, the evolution of what he's been able to do and been able to kind of refine his stuff has been remarkable. And um, yeah, I mean, the, the curveball is not necessarily a weapon like the slider is at this point, but it does keep hitters off balance. You saw a number of off balance swings. Tommy Edmond took a, a real bad off balance swing off the curveball. But yeah, like you said, he, he mixes speeds. He adds, adds and subtracts to each of those pitches. 
Um, he can land for strikes. He can get them to, to expand. Um, but yeah, I mean, this kid continues to get better and he continues to, to kind of refine his arsenal. Yeah. I think that's a great point that he's, you know, knowing how to throw his pitches now, how to command them and what to do uh, to manipulate them, to keep hitters off balance. I think that just shows the growth of Freddie Peralta. But again, I know it was a, a losing outing, but I thought it was a very positive outing. I feel much better about him going forward and into the postseason. Not that I really didn't beforehand, but again, just coming back from the injury with the shoulder that you talk about, that can be scary. I thought this was a very positive outing for Freddie Peralta. All right, we'll take a quick break and we'll come back and dive into the rest of Monday's game. BetOnline is back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on to start another football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use promo code NFL100 from football, baseball, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for you in 2021 season. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. So, many we talked about Freddie Peralta, the pitching side. I thought it was a very positive outing for him, but it was a rough outing for the offense going up against John Lester. Uh, it, it was honestly a surprisingly dominant performance from John Lester. I know he's been very good in the past, but he is not a very good pitcher now. And he pitched uh, six innings, three hits, no walks, two earned with two strikeouts against the Brewers and really weren't a ton of hard hits. You know, it's not like the Brewers were particularly unlucky in this game. You know, their two hardest hit balls went out of the ballpark and those two home runs from Avicel and Garcia and Luis Arias. But other than that, I mean, there, there just wasn't a lot going against Lester, and that's kind of concerning a little bit considering the lineup was pretty much full health with Adamas coming back, obviously his first game coming back. But uh, I don't really know why the offense couldn't get going against Lester on Monday. You know, it's chalk it up to one, just one of those games, but also chalk it up to this, this idea that um, John Lester is uh, – elite competitor he's not an elite pitcher anymore by any means but he's an elite competitor and he can that entire cardinals team can sniff the playoffs right and they know how important each one of these games are now i'm just flat out saying that he elevated his pitching performance last night in terms of his execution in terms of his ability to keep guys off balance and the only reason why that could happen and did happen is because this guy's got a ton of playoff experience a ton of postseason experience Again, the elite competitor. I'm saying that Adam Adam Wainwright and his resurgence has kind of rubbed off on him and his ability just to continue to execute pitches. I'm not saying John Lester is going to do this every time out from here on out. I'm just saying he just knows and knew how big of a game this was, and he executed and he kept the hitters off balance. And he he threw that. Um, he filled up the zone a ton with all of his stuff. I'm looking right now. I mean, he had the. And the four seam worked in 16 out of 21 strikes. And then the cutter, 14 out of 25 strikes. I mean, changeup was was there also. I mean, he had everything working. The curve landed three out of six times. But he's got he's got multiple pitches to keep guys off balance. And that's what they did. Now, Willie Adamas did just miss an absolute mammo bomb to center field. 
Um, and again, I, I just think Lester's going to have to continue to live on the edges. I think he did so well enough last night to keep the hitters at bay. Yeah, Adamas did have two hard hit balls, uh, one to pop out, one to fly out you're talking about. But um, yeah, I guess it just surprised me. He had five swings and misses and five called strikes on the 21 four seam fastballs that he threw at 88 miles per hour. That's, you know, concerning to me a little bit that the Brewers hitters couldn't square that up more often. But again, like you said, elite competitor in John Lester certainly understand that Cardinals in a postseason race. Every game means so much to them. So certainly understand that. But I want to talk about Yelich because he got moved down in the lineup with Adamas coming back, batting fifth. It was the first time since 2015 Yelich is in a starting lineup below the cleanup spot. Uh, not been hitting great as of late. Uh, I saw a tweet from Adam McCauvey that Christian Yelich had six hits and 40 at-bats over his last 10 games uh, through the first two at-bats of last night's game. But your thoughts on Yelich getting moved down in the lineup, you think that's a good spot for him right now? Take a little pressure off of him. I mean, it is concerning that he's not kind of turned the corner. I thought we all saw flashes of that where he was really hitting the ball hard. He had like a 10 or 11 game hitting streak. And in that stretch, he was really hitting the ball hard. We kind of saw glimpses of uh, Yelich in terms of the old version. But um, yeah, a little bit concerning. I'm not going to pull any punches. It's concerning that he hasn't really fully come back and turned it all around. He seems like he's rolling over some balls lately and kind of really being more pull conscious at times. Not all the time, right? I mean, this guy, it's hard to figure out, right? Because every once in a while, he'll lace a ball to the opposite field, and then all of a sudden, he'll roll over three ground balls at second base. So it's difficult to figure him out. Um, just, you know, obviously, the team is sticking with him, and as they should. Um, but uh, maybe moving him down the order, get take a little pressure off him and uh, get, him, get him locked back in. Yeah, whatever you got to do right now to get him going again, one of the big keys to watch down the stretch, Yelich, see if you can – unlock him a little bit there so hopefully that will help uh, another thing to be watching for Willie Adamas I thought he looked really good on defense it was great to see him back out there at shortstop no offense to Arias but it's just a different animal when Adamas is out there you saw him make a smooth play on a slow roller also turned a really nice double play with Colton Wong so great to have him back out there defensively again had a couple of hard hit balls that he just missed as well and then I mentioned the home runs from Abacel and Luis Arias. You have almost 50 home runs right now at 49 home runs between those two this year, Vinny. I think if you would have told me coming into the year that you'd get 50 home runs between those two guys, I probably would have said that you were crazy. But uh, they've got some really big production from those guys in the you know middle to bottom part of the lineup for a lot of the season. I mean, I think we all knew Abacel Garcia had it in him. I don't think anyone believe would believe you or – you know, would have believed you if, um, you know, you, you said Luis Arias was going to be a 21, 25, 25-ish home run guy. Um, I, I just think it speaks to the, it speaks to the uh, ability of Andy Haynes to kind of unlock him in terms of trying to get him to pull the ball more in the air, um, but yet not sacrifice his ability to kind of control the strike zone. The kid can really control the strike zone. I mean, he had a phenomenal phenomenal at bat um against uh that last series i'm blanking on who they just played it's been too many games blurring together but um and he just he just had a phenomenal at bat late in the game and it almost um 
it loaded the bases and the team almost uh, walked it off again against and again I thought it was going to come to me against the Cubbies there the last game against the Cubbies he had a phenomenal at bat late in the game against Rowan Wick yeah and um he just can control the strike zone and that's and so but at the same time he's so then pitchers have to come in make mistakes and he's able to put really good swings on it again I think some tweaks from Andy Haynes has helped him pull the ball in the air and then Avisel Garcia I think he has just really kind of come into his own. I know Andy Haynes made some tweaks again with him. He's a little bit more upright and he just does a great job um, of staying real short and quick to the baseball. Um, but anyway, that's, um, that's, yeah, I, I'm surprised too, but again, I think these guys are coming and kind of coming into their own a little bit, both of them. Um, and I do think you probably see similar production from both of these guys going forward. Yeah, and you just look up and down the lineup because one of the things we were worried about was where's the home run power going to come from? And you look at, you know, Wong, who's, you know, a 15 home run bat. You got Adamas, who's, you know, a 22 home run bat. Eduardo Escobar, you know, approaching 30 home runs. Avisel approaching 30 home runs. Urias, you know, over 20 home runs. You know, Yelich is the only one there in that top six that doesn't have double-digit home runs, which if you would have told me that at the beginning of the year, I would definitely would have thought, that you were crazy. So getting, you know, that power from these guys in the the top of the order, those first four or five spots in the order is, is huge for this offense. Uh, again, maybe a little unexpected from some of these guys, but it's really helped carry the offense this season and make it into what is now a, a really deep lineup for the Brewers. All right, we'll take one more break and we'll come back and preview uh, Tuesday's game. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends log in for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at rockauto.com. There are so many different makes and models of automobiles these days, it's impossible to stock all the parts your car will ever need in your traditional chain store. Why worry with the hassle of answering a bunch of questions about your car at a chain store and just hoping they have the parts you need? When you have the inventory of rockauto.com right there in your pocket, you can pull them up on your cell phone, find any make and model of any kind of part that you need. And there are so many different reasons to maintain your car these days, but the biggest one is obviously to save money. Why choose to spend 30, 50, sometimes even 100% more for the exact same auto part at a chain store or new car dealership? Rockado has everything you need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. So go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your vehicle, and do us a favor right locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. A couple of news items from Monday. Lorenzo Kane did some work on the field. Uh, Monday said he felt better and then he thought uh, he could be back in the lineup in a few days, which is certainly great news. Definitely want Lorenzo came back there, especially since the news of JBJ dealing with plantar fasciitis. Um, if he can't give you great defense, I'm not really sure he deserves a 
postseason spot on the roster. Um, you saw me tweet about his throw on Monday night that was just terrible. I've talked about the fact I think he's pressing a little bit on defense to try to make up for the lack of offense. But uh, if he's banged up there and, you know, can't give you that defense, I really don't know what his spot is on this roster. So that's certainly something to keep an eye on and a really big reason why they got to get Kane 100% healthy, ready for the postseason. Diving into Tuesday's preview, I talked about on the Monday podcast how they had a great opportunity for a Woodford-Woodruff matchup, and now we have it. It looks like uh, Jake Woodford for the Cardinals will be going on Tuesday. He's 2-3 and three with a 4-3-0 ERA in 23 games, five starts with 40 strikeouts in 52 and a third innings and a whip of 1-3-9. Vinny, I don't know if you've uh, ever scouted this guy or have much information on Woodford that you can provide. One of the first guys I scouted was Jake Woodford. Really? I, I saw him in spring training. Yeah, I saw him in spring training in 2017. Competitor, um, ultra, ultra competitive, actually. I mean, he's got um, – he doesn't have overpowering stuff and he doesn't have a, a sharp enough breaking ball to get guys to, to kind of swing and miss and, and kind of put guys away. Um, but he is certainly a competitor. And that's what the Cardinals seem to scout, right? And they kind of acquire guys that have the, this ability to win and to be competitive. And that's that's certainly what he does. He's gonna he's gonna throw the kitchen sink at the Brewers. I mean, he's he's been up when he's been out of the pen. He's been up to like ninety eight. I saw him last time against the Brewers, where he's like ninety two, ninety three, um, maybe touching ninety four every once in a while. But his fastball certainly plays a little bit more down out of the starting rotation, but. Um, Again, competitor, he's going to try and live on the edges. He's going to try and elevate the fastball. He's going to try and, um, you know, he does He does have, uh, I, I forget if it's a split or a change, um, but, you know, he's going to, like I said, he's going to try and pitch. He's going to try and do everything he's, he can. He's got a very dynamic delivery now. He's a little bit more on top of the ball before he used to push the ball a little bit and get underneath it. And that's helped the breaking ball a little bit where he's able to pull it down does have a little more depth to it. So anyway, this guy's, um, this guy's putting together a decent season. Um, he's, he's given them some, some quality innings here. So um, can't take this, this guy lightly again, not an overpowering arm, but um, guy that's going to try and get, get out and get, get them to chase a little bit. So get him in the zone and, and see him up a little bit and try and drive him to the gaps. Yeah. Like you said, that start against Milwaukee on September 4th, five and a third, two hits, no walks, no earned, and five strikeouts. So a really dominant performance against the Brewers. And he's really been continuing that all throughout the month of September. He's has a 203 ERA and three starts in September, 13 and a third innings, eight strikeouts, and a whip of zero at nine eight. So he's been really huge for the Cardinals, especially in this hot streak lately. So uh, the Brewers will try to uh, change that and knock him out early. He probably won't go deep in games, only went four innings in his last two starts. So if they can get to him early, get into that bullpen. And then, Vinny, I think this is a really big start for Brandon Woodruff here. Again, the guy I think we both uh, would would probably still consider our game one starter right now, but he's had a couple of rough outings, at least according to his standards. He's given up seven earned runs in his last two starts, over 12 innings. He's gone six innings in both of those starts, but again, uh, a little bit rough again, compared to his regular high standards that he has. So I think this is a big start for Woodruff just to kind of give him some confidence, again, in kind of a playoff atmosphere type game with a Cardinals team 
trying to make a push for the postseason. What are you hoping to see from Woodruff on Tuesday? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's some soft contact in there that he gave up and some things that didn't go his way the last couple outings. I think he's been pitching great. I think he just has to continue to just do what he's been doing, be sharp. What I what I notice about Brandon Woodruff this year is like it's, it's something that is it's really remarkable. His ability to make pitches in tight spots, execute pitches when he needs to execute pitches. He's done that at a very, very high level, very consistent. A couple of times that he's not done that has kind of bit him in the butt, but he's, that's, you know, that's normal. It's obviously, um, you know, something that is not, he's not been accustomed to doing all year and just continue to see this guy just execute pitches. That's really all I want to see from him. Um, Obviously the Brewers need to clinch this thing. They need to get, get, you know, the magic number is still three. So uh, I'm not saying that these are just warm up games or anything like that. Obviously need to clinch, need to take care of business, but, uh, uh, yeah, at the same time, you just have to want these starting pitching, these starting pitchers to just really be fresh and execute and go deep into the games and get them ready for the playoffs at the same time. But, uh, yeah, that's what I'm looking for Woodruff. Yeah, so it should be a good game again. Woodford versus Woodruff on Tuesday. Hopefully the Brewers bounce back, shave that magic number down from three to one. That will do it for this episode of Locked On Brewers. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Locked On Brewers. Follow me at Shortstop Ball and Vinny at Vinny Rotino. Also, make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to the Lockdown Brewers podcast wherever you get your podcast. And we'll talk to you next time. You are Locked On Brewers, your daily Milwaukee Brewers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.